It's that time once again, press fans, coming to you from Altman Studios in downtown Brentwood, to your ears wherever you are. This is Clocked with the Press. I'm Jacob Menez, here with the press editor, Kaf Zmanski. Today we'll be talking about West Nile and Contra Costa, rising COVID numbers in the county, and another update on Alexis Cabe. All this and more, right after word from today's sponsor. This episode of Clocked In with the Press is sponsored by Bill Brandt Ford at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard, right here in Brentwood. For award-winning sales, service, and all your Ford needs, think Bill Brandt Ford at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard. Thanks once again to our sponsor. Let's get into it, Jake. Newsom proposes reproductive health package. As the U.S. Supreme Court appears prepared to possibly overturn Roe v. Raid and states throughout the county pass laws to restrict access to reproductive health care and ban abortions, California Governor Gavin Newsom has announced a reproductive health package to expand access to these services and welcome companies from anti-abortion and anti-LGBTQ states. The Newsom administration continues to maintain and improve availability of safe and accessible reproductive health care services and prepare for a potential influx of people from other states seeking reproductive health care and abortion services. Specifically, Newsom's package includes $125 million to further bolster California's health care infrastructure, expand access to services for patients, and help prepare for the influx of people seeking reproductive health care from other states. Another $57 million was added to the $68 million proposal in January. In other news, the Contra Costa Office of the Sheriff, along with several other California law enforcement agencies, recently donated unused and expired safety equipment to Ukraine, the agency said in a news release. The Ukrainian government intends to provide this equipment to civilians as an additional layer of safety amid the ongoing conflict with Russia. The 60 pieces of donated equipment include old helmets, body armor, and other equipment, according to the agency. The request came from the California Office of Emergency Services, which has been in contact with the Ukrainian consulate in San Francisco for ballistic vests and helmets and other personal protective equipment. Contra Costa Sheriff David Livingston said that although this gear is out of date, it could offer some protection for Ukrainian citizens. I think it's fantastic that our local law enforcement agencies are stepping up to help this global issue. I checked in with the Brentwood and Oakley Police Departments, and they said that they, too, wanted to contribute, but they just didn't have the surplus equipment available at the time. Let's take it from global down to a more local perspective. Twelve Bay Area health officials are stressing the importance of taking safety precautions, including continued masking indoors as the region experiences a new swell of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. The current wave is fueled by highly contagious Omicron subvariants, officials said in a news release. Because of the widespread use of home tests, actual case rates are higher than those reported, officials have said. Antioch, with a population of 112,000, has seen 293 cases in the last two weeks, with 196 reported in Brentwood. Population there is about 67,000. 117 people in Oakley with COVID-19, population just over 40,000, and 20 reported in Discovery Bay, population a little over 15,000. Antioch's recent 14-day case count is the fifth highest of 31 counties tracked. Brentwood is 7th, Oakley is 12th, and Discovery Bay is 20th. Richmond registered the most cases in the past 14 days, 401. The city has a population of 133,000. Health officers reiterate their continued strong support for people wearing masks indoors, keeping tests handy, and ensuring that they are up to date on vaccinations by getting boosters when eligible. Health officials say that people should also stay home if they feel sick and get tested right away. They're encouraging anybody to test after potential exposure and limiting large gatherings to well-ventilated spaces or outdoors still. For people who are more likely to get sick from COVID-19, medications are available that can reduce your chances of severe illness and death. For more information on Contra Costa County COVID case rates, visit www.coronavirus.cchealth.org overview. This is interesting. I think it's a good reminder for the society that 
quite frankly, we're not out of this pandemic. I've heard a couple people say, you know, oh, the pandemic's over. Not quite. Apparently, it's still here, and it's going to be here for probably the foreseeable futures. While case rates are rising, there's probably a substantial amount of cases that are not being reported. The number of at-home tests being used, I have to imagine, is substantial with the government giving them out for free like candy. And I have to believe that people who test positive, they're not reporting that to the government. I mean, let's be real here. If I tested positive for COVID-19, would I call up the government and say, hey, I tested positive for COVID-19. Can you add me to your list? So I think the case rates might be a little higher, which, again, drives home the point that people just got to be cautious when they can. Right. That's a key part of it is a lot of these are relatively no numbers. Like we said, Antioch has 293, which isn't insignificant, but it's certainly a small percentage when the population is over 100,000 people. With all these home tests, you're right. Those numbers are essentially unrecorded. And I also think it's a good reminder for people that there's medicine on the market right now. It's easily accessible. I believe you can just go to any pharmacy and, and get it without any sort of substantial cost. So if you have COVID-19, don't freak out. Just call your doctor and see what they have to say and get medicine, get better and get back on the road to recovery. In other health-related news, the Contra Costa Mosquito and Vector Control District has announced they found their first dead bird of the year that is positive for West Nile virus in the county. The dead bird, an American crow, was picked up in an area of Brentwood close to Discovery Bay. Certain birds can carry this virus, and once a mosquito bites an infected bird, the mosquito can become infected. Mosquitoes then spread the virus when they bite another bird or a person, the district said. For context, since 2005, 75 people in Contra Costa County have been diagnosed with West Nile virus. In 2006, two people died from the disease. To reduce the risk of the virus, the district recommends Contra Costa County residents report dead birds because they're often the first sign of the virus in a particular area. The virus can grow more efficiently when temperatures are consistently above 55 degrees. With hot daytimes and warm overnight weather like in the forecast now, the district advises county residents to take steps to reduce the risk of the virus by avoiding mosquito bites. With these rising temperatures, residents should take these following precautions, according to the district. Use an effective insect repellent when outdoors, particularly around dawn and dusk. Wear a long sleeve shirt and long pants to reduce the amount of exposed skin that can be bitten. Avoid being outdoors when mosquitoes are present, if possible. Dump out any amount of standing water because mosquitoes can develop from egg to adult in something as small as a bottle cap full of water. And make sure window screens don't have rips or tears and fit properly in openings. If you find a dead bird, you can report that by phone at 877-WNVBIRD. That's 968-2473. County residents can also request a mosquito service for a residential property by calling 925-685-9301. We're all in this together, Jake, and I think it's important for people once again to take precautions. If you're outside, do your part to protect yourself. Something that's often overlooked is that if you see your neighbor or something that's maybe got a standing water, people don't like to tattletale. At least I don't like to tattletale. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Mosquito Vector Control District, they're really nice. They'll come out to your house. There's no fine involved. There's no criticism, quite frankly. A couple of weeks ago, I saw a pool that was green, had mosquitoes in it. I actually know the person that lives there. I said, hey, you know, do you want to throw some fish in there from the Mosquito Control Vector District? They came out. They visited his house. They threw the fish in. They didn't even scold him. And his problem was essentially taken care of once he drained the pool. But the whole point of this is that if you see something, say something to the Mosquito Control Vector District and protect yourself. All right, speaking of water, testing to reduce blue-green algae in Willow Lake 
at Discovery Bay is set to begin. And this is interesting, Jake. The experiment is being conducted and monitored by two separate companies and will last approximately three months. The lake will still be available for residents to use. Blue-green algae grows in warm, stagnant, and nutrient-rich shallows, blooming and releasing cytobacteria, a toxin harmful to people and pets, experts say. The blooms are distinguished by a green, blue-green, white, or brown scum that floats on the surface or suspends in the water. The blooms dissipate with falls, lower temperatures, and rain. And what's interesting about this, Jake, is that this is kind of a prototype experiment where I understand the treatment sits on the water where the bacteria sits as opposed to other methods. So this is kind of a cutting-edge experiment, and I'm hopeful that it works for Discovery Bay because it's been an issue for as long as I can remember. It'll be nice to see if this does get that problem under control because, it, like you said, it's been a problem in Discovery Bay for ages. And the timing of it is kind of a bummer is, you know, having the water unusable for three months during the summer as we're getting to the summer. So while in the short term it will be a bummer, that water will be unusable. Long term it's going to be great because it's good for the environment, it's good for people, it's good for pets to just not have that algae mucking it all up. On that note, Kyle, I think it's time for a commercial break. One more word from our sponsor, then we'll hit sports. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Bill Brandt Ford at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard. Speaking personally, I've used the service center at Bill Brandt Ford several times, and I've always been impressed by their commitment to the customer. I used to have this real lemon of a Ford Fusion that I bought from a less reputable dealer, and Dave, the service advisor at Bill Brandt, moved mountains to keep that thing running. My younger sister bought a car from Bill Brandt a couple years ago, and their finance department worked with her budget, and now she drives a nicer car than me. But don't just take my word for it. Bill Brandt Ford is the recipient of the prestigious President's Award from the Ford Motor Company. Only 340 of the roughly 5,000 dealerships nationwide can say the same. Locally, the community has voted them Best of Brentwood for sales and service. Bill Brandt aims to give customers the best dealership experience possible. So what are you waiting for? Give them a call today at 925-634-3551 for all your sales and service needs or visit BillBrantFord.com. That's Bill, B-R-A-N-D-T, Ford.com. Thanks once again to our sponsor, Kyle. What do you have for me on sports this week? Let's go to the Diamond. The North Coast section baseball and softball playoffs began this week. Here are the results involving the Bay Valley Athletic League teams from May 17th. The number nine seed Heritage Patriots defeated number eight seed Berkeley 10-0. Heritage now travels to top seed Foothill on May 20th at 5 p.m. Number seven, Liberty knocked off number 10 seed Akalani's 3-2. The Lions now face number two, Clayton Valley Charter on May 20th at 5 p.m. Number three seed De La Salle disposed of Freedom 10-3. And number six seed Ceremon Valley defeated Pittsburgh 7-5. In softball, Vintage High School defeated Pittsburgh 10-0. And yesterday, a couple of exciting games. Number nine seed College Park knocked off number eight seed Freedom, eight to four. And number two seed Heritage ousted 15th seed Monta Vista, 12 to seven. Heritage now hosts Clayton Valley Charter on May 20th at 5 p.m. It's going to be an action-packed week for softball and baseball as all games are on May 20th at 5 p.m. Now's a good chance to bring up. Every week I push that we have a new podcast email, podcast at brentwoodpress.com. I always encourage people to reach out to us with their thoughts and comments on the episode. Last week we did get an email that said that they thought you were too hard on our Antioch teams, that they think that this is going to be their season. <laughs> you know, we talk every week about how great Heritage is, and really how all the local teams are terrific. But they think that Antioch is really the dark horse in this race. 
It's interesting that our listener said that because Antioch was fantastic a few years ago in football. This kind of happens in high school sports. Teams and schools kind of go in waves, right? I remember a few years ago when Liberty was on top in football, and then the following year it was Antioch, and then it was Freedom, and then it was Heritage. So just because we mentioned Heritage this week and this year doesn't mean that it's not going to be Antioch's year next year. So stay tuned. Kyle, I think we're on the highway to the danger zone, my friend. What do you have here for boys' volleyball? Catching up on the boys' volleyball season, the 10th seed Heritage Boys fell to Amador Valley 28-16, 29-27, and 25-17. Heritage ended its season 15-7 and 8-2 and and in league play. And as long as I'm on the boys' volleyball train, I must give another shout-out to the Liberty Boys volleyball team, which won a league title for the first time in the school's over 100-year history. The Lions fell in the first round of the North Coast section playoffs, but that doesn't diminish their regular season achievement. And the Freedom Boys squad also reached the playoffs for the first time in history, so great for them. Let's move on to the Tri-Valley Track and Field Championships. Athletes from every Bay Valley Athletic League school, including Antioch, did well enough to move on to the meet of champions. Heritage will be best represented as the Patriots advanced in 15 individual events and two relays. Three of those 15 spots are held by senior Gwyn Heron. She finished third in the girls' 100-meter dash, the 100-meter hurdles, and the long jump. And senior Kimora McLemore and junior Jordan Maldonado will be in two individual events. McLemore punched her ticket by winning the girls' shot put and finishing seventh in the girls' 300-meter hurdles. A complete 1,000-word report on this event with photos is at thepress.net. Angela Garcia Jr. did a terrific job with the photos. He always brings the most dynamic photos to our paper. Jake, I'm bringing you something new this week. I know you like video games, <laughs> so let's talk about the new esports that's going on. Ron Sabarios of Liberty High School just won the championship in the esports Pacific region against players from Alaska, Washington, Oregon, California, and Arizona. And can I just say, Jake, that gamers have long said they are athletes, and they truly are. It takes skill, strategy, and energy. Kyle, you know, you're right. I do like video games. I'm not very good at them. I could never be on one of these eSport teams, but I think that's really neat that you brought that to the table. And I really hope to see a lot more of this develop as we go forward. I'd love to hear more stories. I got one more sports story for you, Jake. The Delta Breeze lacrosse teams ended their season with a tie and two losses in games against the San Ramon Raptors, 10U girls, 12U boys, and 14U boys teams on May 7th in San Ramon. The season is now over. But there, I have a tidbit for you here. The league just announced that they are hoping to expand their league to Pittsburgh and Antioch next season. The sport is obviously big on the East Coast of the United States, but it looks like it's heading west. Wagons West. I'm going to be sad to see the season end because we've talked about them every week for, you know, this entire season. It's kind of become part of our routine. But I think, you know, great job to the teams. Obviously, great job again to Johnny Boone for getting this lead together. And it seems his efforts really have paid off if they're going to be expanding next year. I can't wait to see what happens. All right, Kyle, I'm going to take us back to news. We've got a couple of really big stories here to wrap up the episode, and I'm excited to share them with you. Despite two large sideshows in Antioch on May 14th that damaged police vehicles, city officials hope they can put the brakes on future sideshows. Interim Antioch Police Chief Steve Ford said these incidents bring great danger to responding officers, participants, and bystanders. This was at a news conference on May 16th. He said he wants to be clear. Violent, disruptive behavior will not be tolerated. To those from out of town, you're welcome to enjoy the city, parks, and amenities, but if you engage in sideshow activity, your vehicle will be towed. Going forward, there will be a zero-tolerance approach to sideshows in the city of Antioch, and all resources at their disposal will be used to mitigate those activities. 
The incidents occurred at the intersection of 18th Street and A Street, and reportedly a lone treeway in Blue Rock Drive late Saturday night. A video was widely circulated on social media that shows spectators near the 18th Street sideshow kicking a moving Antioch police vehicle. Officials confirmed that the police vehicle was rendered inoperable, and several other Antioch police cars were hit with bottles from sideshow spectators and participants from inside their vehicles. Mayor Lamar Thorpe said he plans to bring a policy to the council that would empower police to arrest and fine sideshow spectators for up to $1,000. If that policy were to be approved, apprehended spectators would face up to six months in jail, Thorpe said. Sideshow participants already face having their vehicles impounded for 30 days with a $3,000 cost to recover them and a $300 citation. Previously, Thorpe had declared Antioch a, quote, no-sideshow zone last year and authorized the department at that time to initiate a proactive sideshow enforcement response anytime authorities got word of upcoming sideshows. But he did note a lack of current staffing due to an unspecified number of officers being on administrative leave amid an active investigation by the FBI and DA's office for a range of unspecified alleged crimes. This shortage has hampered the department's ability to get ahead of the May 13th events. Ford said the department is actively trying to track down all participants in that event. And Antioch's not the only city that's dealing with this. I, I know it's, it's a Bay Area-wide issue. You know, one interesting thing that I think the city and society may want to think about is providing a place for these people to do this legally, right? We know it's popular, even though it's dangerous and illegal. So maybe if cities can provide an outlet for these people to go do this legally, maybe they can make some money off of it. They could do it safely, and then they can get their thrill without doing it on public streets and being dangerous about it. I've got one more story to bring us home today. It's going to be our latest update on Alexis Gabe. Oakley police served a search warrant to an Antioch home on May 12th in connection with the January disappearance of Alexis Gabe. In addition to this new development, Alexis's father, Gwyn, provided an update on what the police are calling a key piece of evidence found in February. There's also been an increased amount for the award money that's being offered. So the warrant was served to a home on Ben Treeway in Antioch, according to a statement by the police. The home was identified as Gabe's last known location prior to her disappearance back on January 26th. According to that statement police made, investigators are attempting to determine if that location is where she met with foul play. What, if anything, was recovered as part of that warrant was not disclosed. On May 13th, on Facebook, the police had reported that her cell phone case had been found in Antioch. You know, a lot of people on social media were speculating that that had been in relation to that search warrant we were just talking about a moment ago. But her father hopped on Facebook on the 17th to clear things up that that case had been found back in February as part of those searches with the Class Kids Foundation. It had just taken so long to publicize it because it had been sent off to see if they could find fingerprints, DNA. It had been at the crime lab. While investigators have been attempting to gather more evidence to locate Alexis, community efforts were also bolstered by the announcement that the reward for information leading to her discovery was increased from 10000 to 60000 following a contribution by an anonymous donor. The city announced that back on May 16th. Initially, the $10,000 had been offered by the city following a request that Gwyn had made at the April 12th council meeting. The additional 50000 like we said, was an anonymous donor who had been at that same meeting. Oakley Police Chief Paul Beard said, quote, Our hope is that these reward funds will bring us closer to finding Alexis and bringing resolution to the Gabe family. We are grateful for the donor's generous contribution and to the community for their continued support. End quote. The 24-year-old was first reported missing under suspicious circumstances on January 27th. Her last known location, as we'd said, was Bentryway in Antioch. Her car was found by her cousins with the keys in the ignition on Trenton Street in Oakley, according to Gwyn's Post. Oakley Police are encouraging residents and the information about the case to come forward. Detective Tyler Horn says, quote, we continue to comb through all the tips received and are working on the case around the clock. We ask that anybody with information please contact us, end quote. The police set up a tip line for the public to share any potential information they may have. That tip line is 925-625-7009, or you can email the police at alexistips at ci.oakley.ca.us.
very generous donation from that anonymous donor in Oakley. And all we can say at this point is if you know something, come forward, and we hope for a positive resolution in the case. One last thing before we go. It's almost the weekend, Jake. Let's get some good events on the calendar. Discovery Bay is planning its open house. The town of Discovery Bay has announced its first State of the Town event for Saturday, June 4th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. The town will have its board members present as well as staff and department managers to showcase ongoing projects to residents. And this event is open to the community and will be held inside the community center. And they are inviting local dignitaries and there will be booths. The idea was formed by the town's communication committee and approved by the board during its April 7th meeting, along with a budget not to exceed $2,400. Moving on, but staying in Discovery Bay, the town of Discovery Bay and the Discovery Bay Lions have teamed up once again to bring two free concerts to the community. The first concert is Saturday, June 4th, featuring a Journey tribute band, and the second concert is scheduled for Saturday, September 17th. The Summer Jam Concert Series takes place at the Discovery Bay Community Center, and that's 1601 Discovery Bay Boulevard in Discovery Bay, and gates open at 5 p.m. Besides offering music, the Lions will be selling beer, wine, and margaritas. There will be food trucks and ice cream at the family-friendly party. For more information, call 925-392-4575. And in East Bay Regional Park news, the Black Diamond Mines Regional Preserve will help to celebrate the city of Antioch's 150th anniversary with a day of special activities from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday May 21st, park naturalists wearing 19th century attire will greet visitors and park staff will conduct free first come first served tours of the park's underground mining museum. Better yet, people don't even have to drive there. A free shuttle to the event will run every 20 minutes from Somerville Town Center Mall in Antioch. Tours of the former mining tunnels are restricted to ages 7 and older for safety reasons. However, the park's underground Great House Visitor Center is open to all ages and contains photos and artifacts from mining days. Black Diamond Mines is located, for those who want to actually drive there, at the end of Somerville Road, three and a half miles south of Highway 4 in Antioch. There's a parking fee of $5 per vehicle when the kiosk is attended. For more information, call 510-544-2750. Kyle, that was a great one more thing, but now I've got one more thing. The Farmer's Market is this Saturday. You will be there, is that correct, representing the press? Yes, I will, with our production manager, Eric Kennard. We'll be out there greeting our readers and taking compliments and complaints, if you got any. <laughs> and we'll also have a contest. So Yeah, I put that contest together. I'm excited for it. So stop by our booth. We'll be right in front of the press building at 248 Oak Street. That's it for today's episode of Clocked In With The Press. I want to thank you for another lively conversation. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. The stories we discussed today and plenty of other stories can be found online at www.thepress.net. Subscribe there and follow us on Instagram at PressClockedIn. Contact us with your thoughts on this episode or any others by emailing podcasts at BerwinPress.com. If we like what you have to say, you may hear us read it on the air. Last but not least, leave a review for our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we may shout that out on the air next time. Be sure to tune in this Tuesday for a conversation with Brentwood Police Chief Tom Hansen. Until then, I'm Jake. And I'm Kyle. Clocking out. Once again, I'd like to thank this week's sponsor, Bill Brant Ford, located at 8100 Brentwood Boulevard. Whether you're looking to buy a new Ford, a used Ford, or get some work done on your Ford, you want Bill Brant Ford. Give them a call today at 925-634-3551. That number again is 925-634-3551. 
or visit them online at BillBrantFord.com. That's Bill Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T, Ford.com.